Well, I'm absolutely delighted to say that joining me on the Godcast today is Trevor Stephen. Now, Trevor is a former English uh, professional footballer who started his career at my beloved Burnley Football Club and he became an important part of the successful Everton side of the 1980s. And then he went on to be um, an even perhaps even more significant part of the Rangers nine in a row side, uh, nine in a row side. Um, and then he, uh, of course, played for Marseille in France. And we'll be hearing a bit about that in a few moments. But um, and also 36 caps for his country. So that's uh, that is some career. Trevor, it's, it's fantastic to welcome you to the Godcast. I believe you're in another part of the world. Where, where are you today? Uh, I'm in I'm in uh, the UAE uh, about uh, what about an hour north of Dubai. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's where you find me. I've been I've been living here for quite a while, but I have been back to the UK last year. But with lockdown and all these things going on, um, I came back out here. And uh, but I'm due back in the UK pretty soon. What's the uh, What's the COVID situation out there? Have they managed to get on top of things there? Well, I think so. It's um, it's not as, let's say, as obvious as far as lockdowns are concerned here. It's, it's a bit more relaxed. And where I am particularly, it's a, it's quite a spread out area. It's not like Dubai, which is obviously very built up. Um, so, I mean, that's masks. It's, you know, what you would expect in that regard. And um, apart from that, uh, it seems to be under control, but there again, we are on the red list, you know, as far as the UK is concerned, which means we can't take flights, there are no direct flights out of here into the UK, uh, hence why I'm still here, really. Um, so, but it, it's it, the good thing is that, you know, it is, the weather's great, but it's going to get too hot, you know, give it another four or five weeks here and it becomes uh, obscenely hot. Uh, so hopefully I'll be back in the UK by then. Yeah. Trevor, I've got to ask, you're wearing a T-shirt and all I can see is eye and a heart. Those who are listening, Trevor's wearing a T-shirt. What's the rest of it? I love... Well, uh, it could be like, I love SG, I love Steven Gerrard, right, because of my... um, (laughs) because of my uh, time at at Rangers, but it's actually not. (laughs) I was in in Singapore about uh, two years ago and I was coming out of the airport and I was coming back to the Middle East uh, and I had a few Singapore dollars in my, <laughs> my, uh, in, my uh, in my pocket. So I went into this place and I bought a T-shirt for about $5. And this is it, right? So no expense spared. I love Singapore. You know, so and th- there's enough. nothing more to it. Nothing more to it than that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Trevor, I've got, I've got to tell you, as, as a, a footballer, you, you were the... You're the first footballer that emotionally made me feel quite sad. And that's because you left... Burnley and then um, right because I, I kind of recall you being Burnley's next big thing everybody was raving about the talent that you had and your potential and of course Burnley fans wanted you to stay at Turf Moor but um just tell us about those formative days at Burnley would you Trevor because I don't think it's been heard an awful lot who, who are the people that were yeah. behind your career in the early days right um Right, how far do I go back? Because uh, the story with Burnley started when I was about 12. And um, I hail from the northeast of England, in uh, Berwick-upon-Tweed, uh, on, the, on the east coast. Uh, so, which was not known, you know, for its sporting... 
not certainly not a powerhouse of the sporting world and, and didn't really produce people who did that much in sport. Uh, but um, I happened to be in a, a, a trial. I, I mean, you know, in life, you know, you always get, you always have somebody who you, who starts you off. And uh, mine was my school teacher, a guy called Wilf Renton. And Wilf was the, uh, and this was in, in primary school. And then funnily enough, I moved to the next school at 11 and he moved as well which was a bit bizarre. So he went to the middle school. It was in the back in the days of comprehensive uh, education. So I was just right in the middle of that. So anyway, to cut a long story short, I was, um, he had put me forward for this trial because, you know, locally, I was, you know, a little bit of a star, you know, but we're talking about six schools, you know, mm. that's it. Um, so you didn't know actually how good you were or, you know, was, was it, you know, was it just a fluke or whatever? Anyway, he put me into this this trial. And I went down to a place called Gosforth, which is North Newcastle. Uh, a lot of boys on a Sunday afternoon. Um, I'd always found these things intimidating, to be quite honest with you, because I was a bit shy, but uh, a bit awkward, I think, as well, at that age. And um, But I did know that I could play this game. And um, that day I went on the field and uh, and, and did well. Um, but I, I couldn't really judge myself, but I enjoyed myself. And when I was um, just came off the field, a guy tapped me on the shoulder, and there's a guy called uh, Peter Kirkley. Uh, and Peter Kirkley ran Wall's End Boys Club, but he was also the regional scout for, for Burnley. So Wall's End Boys Club obviously produced professional players along, you know, and had a history of doing that. So Peter invited me. So I went in the school holidays just when I was. 12, 13 year old. And I went down to Burnley for the very first time, took a, a minibus. I think I got a lift down and my dad might have dropped me in Newcastle, got on the minibus with about 10 other hopefuls. And um, I just sat in the back of the minibus for about five hours. It's a bit of a tricky road in those days, coming down the A1 across the moors. Um, Still is. Skipton. Yeah, yeah, Ripon, Skipton, you know, all of these places. And um, it was all new to me. Mm. So anyway, I, I did well when I went down there uh, and uh, at 14, they offered me uh, to sign as a schoolboy. And of course I was only going in uh, my school holidays, but um, I loved it. I loved the, uh, I, I just loved the town. I mean, the town was far bigger than I was used to, you know, Burnley's probably regarded as a small, small town, but where I came mm -hmm. from, it was really, really small. Yeah. Um, so, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the football club. Um, it was Harry Potts who signed me, right? And uh, as a 14-year-old. And he looked after, I tell you what, he looked after my mum and dad brilliantly. You know, we used to uh, come down. Um, they, they were invited down when I was going to sign, obviously, mm -hmm. at 14. And they stayed in uh, this um, dry <laughs> little hostel. And uh, I was in the Alexander with all the other boys, right? You know, um, up Todman Road there. Mm. And uh, uh, they, they were they were pretty gutted, I have to say, because it was a dry hostel, right? And they, they did like a little drink, I have to say. Um, but uh, uh, I was in the other one. So I, anyway, um, I loved Burnley. Uh, I didn't go to another club. Uh, I never went anywhere else. Right? So, you know, a lot of lads go to various clubs at that age and have a little look here, a little look there. I, I just liked it at Burnley. And um, 
uh, and I also knew that you would get a chance if you were any good because they were famous for that, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Bringing the, the scouting system and the, and the way that they brought players through to first team. So that's what I decided to do. And uh, I got down there, um, and joined when I finished my, uh, my O-levels at school, did those, and then I joined. Uh, so at that point, it was all in. Here we go. Well, oh, there, let's hope this this works. You know, there's something for people of Burnley. You, you stayed in the Alexander Hotel on Tomerden Road. That's uh... certainly did. <laughs> I so yeah, we used to yeah, was, yeah, loved it there. Loved it there. It was it was great. I actually had uh, um, I, I've had a couple of weddings, but I mean, the, my first one was to a Burnley last, you know, from Padium. And uh, we had our reception at the Alexander after just won the FA Cup for uh-huh. uh, with um, with Everton. So anyway, there you go. Fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> and I, I was looking at the side, Trevor. There, there were some good players: Billy Hamilton and Mickey Phelan, Brian Laws, Derek Scott, who's been, also been on the yeah. podcast. Um, but it was a bit of an up and down period, wasn't it? It was like in and out of the divisions. What? What? what why did it? Yeah. Um, why did it struggle somewhat? Uh, but when I joined, you know, Burnley had been in the, in the third division, the old one, two, three, four, the third division for a couple of seasons. And um, I think, you know, there was a lot of pressure on the club because of the expectancy of uh, the supporters, what they were used to seeing a team that performs, you know, in, in, the, in the second division and really hanging on to the old days of being in the first division. And so, um, and there wasn't a budget, you know, there was no money going around. You couldn't really attract, you know, the level of player they wanted. But the first season when I was 16, 17, I, I got myself uh, into into the first team squad for training. Frank Casper, it was Brad Miller, was the, was the manager then. And, uh, and Frank Casper, first team coach. Um, so anyway, I'd, I'd worked my way through to uh, to the first team. So I didn't really contribute anything in the first team in the first year. And the team just got through it, still in the third division. But the second year when I, I started to play, uh, and, you know, I, I, the lads who were in the team started to sort of mature a little bit and some good experience, you know, like Tommy Cassidy. But, you know, Martin Dobson was, you know, was my uh, mentor really at... Um, Burnley, and he was a key a key element. Uh, we went to sort of he was a sweeper, you know, one of the original sweepers in the game um, for us, you know, with uh, Mickey Phelan, Vince Olverson. Uh, uh, yeah, so it it um, we improved dramatically, and uh, had a terrific a terrific season, and it was great. I mean, and you know, I'd won a league title by the time I was eighteen, um, which was uh, which was more than I could have you know, hoped for. And then uh, we went up into the into the second division. And, you know, it, it was frustrating season because we could, we had good performances in us, but we just couldn't string them together. And of course that showed in, that showed in um, the, um, uh, in the, in the performances, particularly in the cup competitions. So, uh, uh, we had a brilliant couple of runs there, you know, with the quarterfinals and the semifinals of the Milk Cup. And that probably brought me through to a bit of uh, notice of yeah. um, the bigger teams as well. I, I remember 
playing Sheffield Wednesday. I think it was a six-rounder of the Cup at Turf Moor. Yeah. And to mm -hmm. this day, that was one of the great games. The, the, the ground was absolutely buzzing. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday yeah. you brought an army of fans and um, I, think, I can't remember. Did we, I think we lost, but it was an incredible day. And, um, yeah, I remember it, and yeah. it was—I think the crowd was twenty-three thousand, yeah. right, that day, which was which was jam-packed. You know, it was um, it was. I think I did. Yeah, we did lose, didn't we? We lost because um, that was the quarter, wasn't it? What was sixth round? I think that that was the quarterfinal of. Yeah, was it FA Cup? Yeah, oh yeah, I, right. Okay. Um, yeah, so I mean, <clears throat> we were we were doing well. We gave we gave the fans a bit of a run for their money there, you know, with the with those. But you know, our league form was wasn't wasn't the best. Um, I, I think you know Brian Miller as well had put faith into the lads who'd got promotion, give them a go. Again, there wasn't much money around, but we just didn't have enough quality and uh, got relegated. Yeah, and then I had to make. Uh, didn't really have to make a decision uh, about my career because it was pretty obvious what was going to have to happen next. Mm. You know, so I was, what, 19. Um, and then, you know, relegation and then a change of plan. Trevor, I've, I've spoke to quite a few footy guys. I've spoke to Chris Casper, son of Frank, and, and Lou mm. McCary recently. And, and I'm just wondering where you fit in this because Lou McCary said in his day, players weren't really coached. They were um, kind of inspired and motivated, that kind of thing. How much of your development happened at Burnley? Was it was it quite significant? Were you were you coached much, or was it similar that it was about you know getting the best out of you? Um, well, uh, yeah, no, I thought at, at Burnley, I think Arthur Bellamy was uh, instrumental in uh, in my development. Um, Arthur was uh, from the northeast as well, and obviously an ex Claret. But he has a great, he had a great um, way about him, a character and personality. Uh, he was, he, he was great. He, he was, um, he, he, he was attention to detail, and I was always, always into that. You know, I was a very determined, de determined individual. Uh, whatever it was, and all I needed was a platform, and Burnley gave me that platform and some guidance, and. Uh, because you're learning every day, uh, you know, it, it was literally um, Arthur uh, helped me get through to that next step. And then um, Frank Casper and, and, and Brian Miller, you know, gave me that opportunity. Mm -hmm. But development of players is, is um, it depends on, it depends on, you know, on where you come from, what, you know, because I come from a, a, at such a, an area which is not a lot of people around. Uh, not a lot of competitive football, but what I did actually have was um, uh, not much competitive football like the guys in the city. Those were in Newcastle or Manchester or Birmingham or London. They were playing, you know, four games a week, right, for their, for their school team, their uh, Saturday team, their Sunday team, a representative game or whatever, four or five games. I would be lucky if I played three games a month, right? So, and that's true, right, because there was no one to play against. Mm -hmm. Um and there was no league. It was 60 miles from Newcastle, it was 60 miles from Edinburgh. So there, were, there was no one to play against. So I practiced a lot. Right? And when I um, started to get some recognition, all I did was just practice myself to death. So I refined my skills. Mm -hmm. 
that's all I can say because when I noticed I was going into youth uh, into the county team and then England schoolboys, I found it it was intimidating for me because I always had this sort of uh, inferiority complex because I come from nowhere that people will have heard of and I've got a bit of a funny accent. I don't, don't wear the right clothes, right? So you always sort of sit in the in the corner, a little bit quiet. Mm. Um, but once I got on the field, I. I, I knew that I was as good as not better than the majority of them. Um, and that was because I'd honed my skills. I, you know, I put a, you know, a lot of hours of practice in and, and that's what helped me develop and, and move quickly in the game. But um, Burnley was part of, of my sort of uh, the equation of me making it to the next level. Mm. You you uh, you then went on to Everton as as most people will know and yep. won trophies. Um, well, I was looking two two league championships, FA Cup, UEFA Cup Winners Cup, and a raft of charity shields as well. I, w- I was yep. talking to Kevin Ratcliffe about you, <laughs> and um, I and and Kevin said to me that um, if there was trouble on the pitch, the the message was give the ball to Trevor. <laughs> And uh, you became known as uh, Tricky Trevor. Yeah. And, he, and he went on yeah. to say that, that you were probably the most technically gifted footballer I'd ever played with. Um, mm. and that's, that's nice that's, of you to say, sir. Yeah, that's a huge compliment, but I think well worthy of it. But, but I was just wondering what you think when, when somebody says somebody's technically very gifted, what, what, does that, what does that mean to the layperson? Uh, it means that the... Um, have control of the ball, you know. Really, they can they can master the ball, um, and it tends to be. Uh, but that comes from me doing all those hours, right? You know that I had a, a better level of technical skills than the, than the majority. Um, and you know, because when people are playing in football matches, they don't touch the ball very much. But when you when you train um, on your own, you're constantly practicing with the ball. Um, but a technical, a technical player is, I mean, for me, it was about balance, I think. Um, I got good balance, able to uh, move direction quickly. And um, that and anticipation as well as part of it. But I don't suppose that's more about the technical side. That's about reading the game. Uh, but I needed to, I needed that to make the difference for me because I'm, you know, I'm five foot eight, uh, uh, I was about just under 11 stone back in the day when I was playing regularly. And so there wasn't much of me and um, I was never going to be physical. So my, my assets were, were, were different. And, uh, you know, I, uh, people used to say that, you know, when I started at Burnley, I was a central midfield player. But then when I went to Everton, I played more on the right-hand side. But I never really played on the right-hand side like you would, you would imagine. I was forever coming off the flank, you know, always coming off the flank and getting into goal-scoring positions, which allowed Gary Stevens to go down uh, on the right-hand side, you know, in the right-back position. And, and so uh, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, um, just a winger who took people on. You know, I, that wasn't really what I did. Uh, it was about um, first, and, and to me, it was about keeping the ball, always keeping the ball, never giving it away. Uh, obviously you need to take some risks at some point but you've got to judge when they are and uh, that you've got to get that right if you possibly can but then try and keep it and uh, as Kevin Ratcliffe was referring to 
you know, sometimes I would get it and, and just keep it for a little bit until we get a breather. Uh, but then pass it on, and so we keep we keep the ball. But um, um, yeah, that the te technical players, you know, I think I think personally, I, I would enjoy playing in the modern game as well because there's a lot more protection now. It was quite physical back in the day, uh, or very physical, to be honest with you. And um, and the pitches weren't that great, so you had you had a lot of things to um, to to deal with you know, things that you don't really have to bother about today. But mm -hmm. as long as the technical skills, technical skills uh, were right, you know, you had something to build on and I developed them through through Burnley. Uh, I, I do still treat Burnley as very, very important on the, um, I mean, a crucial part of, of my development. Uh, it, it was uh, consistent. Um, I, you know, I was there for seven years. I was at Everton for seven years. I was at Rangers for seven years. Uh, I don't know what it is, you know, but um, the all stages and the Burnley stage was obviously key and vital to to what came next. Yeah, and Everton. Wow, that that was a that was a golden era, wasn't it, under Howard Stewart, Howard Kendall stewardship? Mm. You must have nothing but happy memories of those times. What was the highlight, Trevor? Yeah, it, it was. Oh, the highlight really was. Um, uh, the FA Cup final and the FA Cup win that first, the first season, you know, my first season at Everton, I win the FA Cup, you know, this is just, you couldn't write it. Uh, so I, you know, when I left Burnley at 19, uh, there was a lot of, I was back on, a, back on the back of a relegation. Uh, so and I was stepping up to the first team uh, at, at Everton and Howard Kendall had been following me uh, and then when John Bond came into Burnley, um, I went there. But that the highlight was um, getting all the way to an FA Cup final. You know, at uh, a twenty-year-old, I was just gone twenty, and to win it, and and uh, it was brilliant for the team, but it was also great for myself because it was a a bit of a validation that you can play at this level, you can definitely play at this level, and you've got a trophy already. So uh, it was. It was a dream, you know, any schoolboy to play in an FA Cup final uh, is, uh, is it could be the ultimate, you know, and then to win it is icing on the cake. Um, and, and that's what happened in the first year against Watford. Uh, and, uh, you know, that, that was the catalyst for the other things to come because Everton needed to win a trophy, basically. Although regarded as a top six club, as they were rightfully, they were just hanging around in that sixth position, really, in truth, uh, sixth or seventh. So they had to make a step, and that was the first one. And, and tell us about Howard's leadership qualities, Trevor. What was it that made him um, mm. as successful as he was in that period? Uh, well, I liked Howard immediately when I met him. I met him, I met him at the Tickle Trout on the M6, you know, you know, the day before I signed for... Uh, for Everton, I met him there for the very first time. Um, a bit nerve-wracking, really, you know, uh, to meet him um, because I could remember him as a player, as a very good player, although I never actually played against him. Uh, and he was so positive, a positive character, uh, confident, bubbly. He looked the part as a, you know, as you would expect a top team manager to to come across, uh, come across, you know. Uh, 
and what, what I liked about it was he explained exactly why he wanted to to bring me in. Uh, and, you know, I had some questions for him, which he answered that first meeting. And, um, you know, I, I was I was hooked anyway. I was going to say, even if I didn't like, I would I would have gone to Everton, right? But the fact that I liked him and um, he helped me uh, on that, uh, the transition period, which I found difficult. Yeah. Uh, but his, his management skills were about making um, everyone feel important in the squad. The squads weren't quite so big, but you know, there's still 16, 17 players in the first mm -hmm. team squad. And, and he, he was good at that. He, he did like a laugh and a joke, and uh, he did like the old, old, old glass of wine every now and, uh, now and again. Um, but that was the way it was in those days. But primarily, he was dedicated to the job and bringing success to Everton. And he wanted, to, he had a vision of how he wanted to play. Um, and he was able to bring that team together. And, and he was, his um, enthusiasm and self-belief were infectious, you know, to, to the group of players. Mm. Uh, and, um, you know, that's why we, we were all prepared to go the extra, extra mile for him. Um, mm. And that paid off, obviously, in trophies. Mm. Why did you leave Everton, Trevor? What was the reason behind that? Uh, well, um, right in uh, in 1985, right, we just we just won the league in the European Cup Winners' Cup uh, at Everton, and uh, the Heysel disaster happened in uh, uh, over in Belgium um, with the ban of the. English teams from Europe, things start to change. Um, didn't feel the effect of it immediately. Uh, in 86, uh, Everton should have won the league. When Gary Lineker was playing with us, we should have won the league. Liverpool won it. Then we won it again in 87. But in 87, Howard Kendall left because you know, we were playing in our own backyard. We were no longer able to play against a Bayern Munich or a Barcelona or a Real Madrid we were not allowed to compete on the European stage. So uh, it became, you know, new trophies were invented, like the Simod Cup and things, you know, and it, it just, it wasn't like it was meant to be. Mm. Um, so when it got to 1989, I'd seen the team um, not disintegrate, but but come apart and Howard Kendler left for Spain and uh, I was coming to the end of my contract. And I decided it was time to go because the band was still on. So for four or five years, you know, I had no European football, having just won a European trophy, which was which was tough. Uh, and I chose to go on, on to, to Glasgow Rangers uh, in 1989, summer of 89. Um, and and I left really because of European football and hence why I didn't go to another English club. But having said that, I never wanted to go to another English club because I wouldn't have wanted to play against Burnley. Right? I would never have wanted to play against Burnley. I would never want to play against Everton. And I never did. Right. So, um, and that was very much part of my thinking because I could have gone to Man United and uh, I went to see Alex Ferguson, uh, Sir Alex, uh, as he is now. And uh, I saw him on the Monday at the end of that uh, 86, 87, no, 80, 89 season, so summer of 89. Um, yeah, I decided to uh, go, go and speak to him, but I decided not to because when I, I didn't even need to leave uh, my house, 
I just need to take a, a different road into work instead of going to uh, Goodison Park, going into Old Trafford, and I could stay in the same house. I know European football. Mm. So, um, you know, I decided to go up to, to Rangers, which was which was a great experience, you know, but I was going back north as well. You know, I'm from the north. So it was, it, it, it all fell um, into place a little bit. Yeah. Um, I was chatting with Andy Payton, who, who went to uh, the Hoops, went to Celtic. And, uh, you know, it's clear that, that playing for either of those clubs is, is significant. Was, um, was playing for Rangers everything you expected it to be? Yeah, I was following. I was following a bit of a path, you know, because a lot of the England players had gone up to Rangers. Well, you know, primarily Graves Souness had gone up um, in his first managerial role, and he had some money to spend, which gave him that ability to go and get some good players, and he could take advantage of the European ban as well, because yeah. um, the players weren't playing in Europe as I described. So when I went up there, you know, it's ten. Gary Butcher, Chris Woods, Gary Stevens, uh, Ray Wilkins, Trevor Francis, um, Andy Gray was there, uh, Ali McCoyst, Ian Durant, Davy Cooper. I mean, it was like a ridiculous uh, amount of ability in, in that squad. Um, but, you know, I, I said I saw Alex Ferguson on the Monday, I went on the Tuesday to, to see Graeme Souness. And uh, they insisted that I sign, you know, so that day and because they really wanted me to go. And I thought, right, OK, I'm going north. My parents can come and watch me and family can come and watch a bit more. Um, and, you know, I've been brought up in Berwick-upon-Tweed. It's like one mile from Scotland, you know, so I start to get a Scottish accent even when I say the word Scotland, you know, it, it's that, it is that close to me, you know. My middle name is McGregor. Uh, so I've got Scottish roots as well. So it, it all made sense to me. And I was going to European football, a team that's um, winning. And the challenge now was to keep on winning. And, and that's what I, I got into at, at Rangers. And I was, used, I was used to winning, you know. So yeah. this is what I wanted. And, um, and, I, and I played in that winning team for several years. I was wondering what you made of the religious aspect to it, Trevor. Um... I think yeah. it's less, I mean, it's still there, but, you know, this Protestant and the Catholics, was that mm. very apparent to you when you were there? Uh, yeah, particularly around the old firm games. Um, definitely, it was It was just it's there. But, you know, West of Scotland um, still has this problem that, uh, you know, your, the religious side of it, is important and it's very tribal and they hang on hang their hats on that gives them some identity but you know it is it, it, you know as a player i just went to play football but when i was there when I, you know, I noticed how severe it was you know and um i decided actually to live in edinburgh instead of living in glasgow because i didn't want to be faced with the uh, you know, difficulties just living in, in the city. I'm not saying that I would have done, but I just took myself out of that. And uh, it is, it's not, it's not great. It's not healthy. It does, um, as far as the game itself, the old firm games, uh, it is the most uh, um, vociferous, um, angry, kind of hate-filled environment you could 
you could play in, uh, which is not healthy. It's not great. Um, but as football players, you just get on with it. You know, uh, it, it's as I said, it's a West of Scotland issue, which is still there today. And I know best efforts uh, have been made, are being made, and will continue to be made until um, until people see sense. I'm sure the club uh, probably advised players to say nothing, but I guess I guess the fans there was an expectation that you kind of support the cause. Did 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 you ever feel that, Trevor? Um, uh, yeah, there was uh, there was definitely um, a feeling, you know, of sort of clan mentality about you know, but, and we, we had a lot of local lads as well, you know, who were who had grown up uh, with the divide and. Um, you know, I, I just, I just didn't understand it. I just kind of ignored it. Mm. Um, you know, you, for instance, I remember I'd gone, I got to the club very uh, early part of getting getting to Rangers, and, and John Gregg, um, who was a sort of players liaison and uh, and with the supporters clubs, and the, the ex legend that he is, John Gregg. He, he asked me if I would go to a supporters club after a game, and I'd only been there maybe a month. And, um, you know, I, I get there and I'm asked to sing the songs, right? I don't even know the songs. I haven't got a clue what the songs are. Mm. But I thought, I don't, I, I don't like that. It's not me. Um, and I didn't want to be pushed into something which, one, I didn't believe, I didn't believe in. I, you know, uh, it just wasn't my character and personality. So I, I refused. And, and thereafter, I refused to go to to supporters clubs really because I would be thrown into that um, you know uh, each and every time I was I was asked uh, I did I, I did everything that the club would ask me to do but that I wasn't I wasn't comfortable with um, so uh, you know that that was it really but it, it was Rangers as a football club is is absolutely huge and it is it's better. It's better now, you know. As you, as you said, Morris Johnson joined the club when I joined the club, and took a bit of weight off me because he was obviously the centre of um, uh, the attention. You know, uh, being a Catholic signing for Rangers, um, so I could sort of, you know, sort of slide on in there, you know, the back door kind of thing. So um, that to me was. A warning. This is what what's going to come. But do you know, on the on the footballing side, it was just it was brilliant. It was terrific. Brilliant playing at Ibrox every week. I mean, not so great going going away to some grounds. Um, the expectancy though is for Rangers teams to win, particularly in those days. Um, and and we had to. I mean, there was a crisis if you lost the game, you know. And um, that that was the way that the whole thing worked up there. And after winning every trophy, going you you kind of. Popped off to France for a little while, and uh, yeah, one more silverware. What was that? A good experience being in France? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I, you know, I was five million quid night in nineteen ninety one. Um, I'd been at Rangers two years, and I just committed to a longer term contract with Rangers, and then I was offered this deal. Uh, there was a whole saga involved in that as well, but I knew I signed for them. Um, just before the transfer window closed in, in, in the summer of 91. But they just played, Marseille were a top, top team. They just played in the European Cup final and uh, been beaten by Red Star Belgrade. Uh, Chris Waddle was playing there. Jean-Pierre Papin was playing. 
Manuel Amaros, uh, Didier Deschamps. Uh, you know, the, this was the team that I was going to join. And uh, so Didier Deschamps and I played in central midfield. Uh, the experience of playing abroad was brilliant. I, I, I loved it. I lived in a place called Aix-en-Provence, uh, just north of, uh, of Marseille. Uh, obviously, with Chris Waddle uh, playing there, and he was a star there, by the way. He was uh, he, he was at the top of his game, um, and it was weird, like two sort of northeast Geordie lads, you know, playing for Marseille, you know, at the same time. It was uh, all a bit all a bit strange, but it was it was it was really great. Uh, I loved it. I loved the football. We won the league. Um, this was in the days when Arsene Wenger was at, at Monaco. So they were the, the big opposition. George Ware and people like that were playing for them. Uh, Manuel Petit, for instance. So uh, we win the league. And the, the problem that we had, we, we didn't do well in the European Cup. And we were eliminated and shouldn't have been eliminated by Slavia Prague. Um, uh, we had, we gave two soft goals away, two penalties away in, in the first leg, which we paid the penalty for, uh, um, and and we were uh, we were knocked out of the cup. So anyway, in that summer, um, the the club wanted to change what they were doing. So Jean Pierre Papin left, I left, uh, and I went back to Rangers, and Chris Waddle left, and he went to Sheffield Wednesday. So it was a bit sort of changing the guard, and um, uh, Marseille then went on to win the European Cup that that very year that I left. <laughs> that is that is some... Trevor, you've had an absolutely incredible career, haven't you? I mean, you... And, yeah. and, and we've not even touched on the England stuff. I mean, you, the, the, tell, tell me about the, just the pride, if nothing else, about playing for England. It must mm. be amazing. Uh, it, it really was. You know, I played for England schoolboys, you know, which was unbelievable, uh, under-15s. You know, again, coming from Berwick-upon-Tweed in the middle of nowhere, I mean, the most northerly point in in England and uh, uh, I played for the England under 15s. I played at Wembley when I was 15 for England, all surreal, all a bit mad. Um, you know, I'd do that and then I'd get back up on the train to Berwick and then go you know, down the chippy with my mates. You know, it was all a bit weird. Um, but then, you know, I went to the England under 18s, under 21s, played one, I think one or two games for the under 21s, but then went straight into the the uh, England full international side. And that was just like a dream come true. I was at Everton and uh, we played on the Saturday. It was April, it was March, I think. And 1985, I get a phone call from Howard Kendall um, just as after I got home. Um, and uh, he said to me that, uh, well done today, because we've done well. I think we'd beaten Stoke City, I think 4-0 or something at Goodison. And he said, uh, got some news for you. Said, yeah, because this is very unusual, by the way. Howard Kendall never rang anyone on a Saturday night. I, I, I didn't know what was going on. And he said to me, uh, Bobby Robson is going to give you a call in five minutes. Honestly, my jaw dropped. And I was trying to be all cool. Oh, yeah, okay, great. Right, great. Right. Oh, man. I, I put the phone down. And then I was just like staring at the phone. And, uh, and then Bobby Robson called. And he said, um, you've been doing great. I would like you to come and join us. Uh, Brian Robson's injured himself today. We'd like you to come and uh, join up with us. Someone will pick you up, take you to the airport and fly across to Belfast tomorrow morning. So I was up with the larks, the car came, and uh, I, I was just a complete nervous wreck getting myself to, to Belfast. And uh, obviously Brian wasn't there, but Bobby Robson was there to meet me on the doorstep. 
I mean, this was back in the day as well, you know, the uh, uh, of the troubles. And so I was kind of escorted out of um, the George Best airport into uh, into a sort of bulletproof car with guys with machine guns and things. And uh, we then, yeah, I get to the hotel and Bobby Robson and uh, Ray Wilkins are waiting for me. Um, you know, and when I think of it now, I mean, you know, these these guys are no longer with us, you know, and uh, it's just incredible how time moves on and it's so sad, but they were key. They made me feel at home and comfortable uh, immediately. Uh, I didn't expect to play in the game. Uh, I was very nervous just being in the environment of England players. Uh, you know, to, to go down for your breakfast and they are like sitting, you're sitting next to Peter Shilton and, um, you know, uh, Glenn Hoddles and yeah. Ray Wilkins and mm -hmm. just surreal. I mean, these were guys that you saw in the back of the newspaper. So I, I played in that first game. Bobby came to the hotel, uh, to, to my hotel room in the afternoon, uh, the day before, uh, and said he's going to play me. You know, from from the you know, a few days earlier, I wasn't even in the squad. Now I'm playing in the World Cup qualifier in Belfast, um, and and I, and I played. It was just the proudest moment. And um, we didn't play well. We won one 0 Mark Haley scored, and uh, we were continued that, that role towards uh, Mexico '86. Fantastic. I mean, I could talk to you for hours about football, Trevor. But uh, you, yeah. Trevor, you you do know how much. Burnley people think of you, do you? You, you do know that we um, we are so proud of what you did. Um, we're sad yeah. that you left, but I think everybody still talks about you at Turf Moor. That you know your name. Yeah, that's very nice. Honestly. Yeah. The thing is, I loved my time. You know, at Burnley, I loved the town, and uh, that's what that's why I decided to sign for them immediately. I just loved it. You know. Um, when I became an apprentice and living there full time, and uh, my, my digs were just behind uh, the long side, right? The old long side um, terracing. So I lived in Holcombe Drive there with uh, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Beck and the kids, um, uh, Gareth Beck and his brother, uh, God, Damien, Darren, can't remember. He'll kill me. He'll, he will, he'll have my head for that. Um, so I, I was, I just loved it and I was settled. Yeah. Uh, and I only left Burnley because I, I had to. I had to. And, and you must I had be, um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. You must be, uh, well, I've yet to meet anybody that's not impressed with what Sean Dyche has done at Burnley, but you must be really delighted to see mm. Burnley kind of now looking quite um, comfortable. But um, just uh, just a few comments on yeah. our midfielders, Trevor, as um, as a midfielder yourself. I think we've got some un underestimated midfielders in our side. And talk about the two central lads, Westwood and Cork, or or you know whichever combination Sean mm -hmm. plays. What what do you make of Burnley at the minute? Yeah. Uh, well, I, you know, I follow my teams, right? The teams that I played for, I follow them in equal measure, really, in truth, and. Um, Sean Dyche, I think he's he's just a brilliant guy, isn't he? You know, no matter what, and he's just somebody that you want to you just want to be his mate. Uh, I've spoken to Sean several times on on telephones in the past, but I don't think I've actually met him. I look forward to doing that in, in the some sometime in the near future. 
But um, the the team that he got that he's, he's put together is um, th- there is there is talent in it. It's not just about hard work. It's about organization. Obviously, fundamentally, it's about it's about uh, work e- uh, ethics. Um, but the, the lads do have talent as well. Um, you know, I like Brownhill personally. You know, because he's 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 great. Um, I, I like uh, O'Neill. Uh, I think he's got potential. I was watching him at the start of the season, and uh, I know that Sean Dyche, you know, believes in him one hundred and one hundred percent. It's enough. Um, and and I was just wanting more from him earlier in the season, you know. But young players do do tend to go like that. But he's come really good and strong. I think in uh, in the last couple of months. That's a progression, and he does look as if he's going to be a, a really top player. Um, I, I just, I just like uh, the way that he sets up his teams, you know. And his recruitment has been very good. It's obviously been budget driven. Uh, you know, the club has progressed hugely, um, and the, I said it's a while since I've been back. Um, I'm, I'm quite friendly with the with Alistair Campbell, so. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy watching Alistair's uh, following following the Clarets, and um, uh, it's just great to see the team. You know, consistently uh, in that in the Premier League. I mean, what an mm. achievement that is! Mm. You know, it's, uh, it's brilliant. You know, I, I never thought I never fun. thought I'd see the day, Trevor. I mean, I followed Burnley all my life. I never thought I'd see the day, and and now I'm living it, and it and it's everything I expected it to be. Trevor, it's been absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go on. Go on. Well, as I say, it's been a real, real honour to be able to talk to you. You know, uh, you were a little bit older than I am, and uh, he was definitely one of my first footy heroes. Along with Glenn Oddle was another one. Um, yeah, and 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 Alistair Campbell's been on the Godcast as well, and I've heard it. And and you wouldn't recognise Gorthorpe these yeah. days. It's um, it's it's completely changed. Although the hut is still there. <laughs> right. Well, again, I've not been down there into the new. Uh, training set up, you know, but my goodness, I can remember Gawthorpe uh, Drive, you know, the days we used to go down there when I bought my first car and Elliot a tree, um, the leaves and the ice on that, on that piece of road. But, you know, that's where, that's where I cut my teeth, you know, as a, as a young player uh, and could start to believe that the, a career was possible when I went, you know, down there and started to, uh, you know, feel like being a professional footballer and see what it's like and, and watch and, see how they operate and learn and listen and uh you know it, it was just a a great honor for me to play there and you know it's a happy happy memories yeah trevor thanks so much for your time and and um i, I know i speak for all the fans that we'd love to see at turf more maybe at half time come out and give us all a wave i think i think you get the most incredible reception yeah well and uh we'd love to see that so I look forward to it. You know, obviously it can't be this year, but uh, maybe next season. Yeah. Well, we send our very best wishes from Burnley. It's not changed much. The Alexander Hotel, I think, are now flats. And uh, Drive's still there very much. So, uh, yeah. Excellent. Is the Cat's Whiskers Whiskers still there? It's Bingo Hall now, Trev. It's a bingo. Is it a (laughs) bingo? <laughs> oh, I'll just tell you quickly Fantastic. though, when, when Peter Crouch came briefly a few years back, you know you'll know yeah. the culvert, the the the, the, uh, the bridge on the way up to Turf Moor. 
somebody had put a bit on a big banner, welcome to Burnley Crouchy, yeah. mind your head, <laughs> which I quite liked. <laughs> <laughs> To me, it would, uh, um, you know, I felt Burnley to me felt like a metropolis, right? You know, coming from Berwick, it felt really, really big. I mean, one, there was like traffic lights. Secondly, there was a snooker hall. Um, and, you know, and turf more back in the day. Goodness me, you know, sweeping the long side as an apprentice was, you know, it was character building that. Mm. And and even you know, um, I remember Roy, the old groundsman, Roy Oldfield, I think it was. Uh, he used to get us to dig up the pitch at the end of the season. You know, as the apprentices, we had to dig up the pitch with a spade. <laughs> you know, I mean, what? Uh, and we weren't allowed to go on our holidays till we did it. So we spent two weeks blisters on the hands, just digging oh. up up uh, the, up the eighteen yard boxes. Um, Fabulous. Oh, times have changed. Fabulous. Uh, the Burnley fans changed. are going to love this. They really are. Trevor, Trevor, thanks, thanks for your time. And right. we send our, our love from down the M65 all the way to uh, the United Arab Emirates. And, and uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, my pleasure. And um, I look forward to uh, seeing you in, uh, at Turf Moor in the near future. Look God forward to it. Bye. Cheers. And you.